0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.
1: I don't know about the rest of you, but when I looked this morning at what the leader of Hezbollah had actually said I got that feeling in the pit of my stomach and I thought immediately about the men and women who, sh- who serve in the military in this country and how, how frightening it is to think that there's actually leaders of other countries talking about how America will have to pay. The, the, we're, we're in such a bad state right now that nobody seems to be, forget fearing us, they don't even respect us anymore. I was reading another piece. It may have been something that was emailed to me that was absolutely upsetting me this morning about how now the Army is actually sort of chaotically telling hundreds of soldiers that they have to become recruiters immediately. You know, they can't make their numbers. So without warning, hundreds of non-commissioned officers are being ordered by email to report to the recruiting school at Fort Knox, which is in Kentucky. They have less than a week to get there, and then hundreds more are going to be set to start at that same school in December, which is an unexpected move by the army but you know they're down they are short 800 enlistees so that tells you right now that even the most mighty military in the world is struggling and i don't think it's going to get better when we have the leaders of uh, the leader of Hezbollah even if he's the, I love when people say, well, he's not the actual leader. Well, what is he? He's the, he's the actual leader is what he is. And uh, it's not looking good. He didn't just threaten that he's going to escalate war with Israel. That would be awful enough. But in fact, he was quite pointed. And he said that, We're ready. Our militia is already fighting along the border of Lebanon and Israel. We're going to escalate there. And, I mean, he didn't actually say we're fully entering the war because that would have been, I guess, much worse, but I can't believe how bad it is. But what he did say, because we've sent 40 warships over there, that we're pre- he said, we're prepared for all options and we can resort to them at any time. The fighting would not be limited to the scale seen so far, he added. So forget about just firing rockets across the border every day, which mostly hit military targets in northern Israel. But they have enough arsenal that they could hit Israel anywhere. And they've got literally thousands of hardened, battle-hardened fighters who believe that they have a religious war that needs to be waged right now. So this is definitely becoming a regional war. He said, uh, everybody was worried I was going to announce that we were entering the battle. We already entered the battle on October 8th, he said, because we pulled the forces, the Israeli forces, that would otherwise have been focused on Hamas in Gaza, we pulled them away. And so of course, how did they celebrate after his speech in Beirut? Firing guns into the air, of course. They're all excited and happy. So we saw the most full out significant escalation on the border of Israel and Lebanon now, the northern border, since the war started Hezbollah fired uh, mortar shells, anti-tank missiles, and for the first time, suicide drones. And if you saw Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, the guy looks a mess. He looks a nervous wreck. He, he just met with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu today, and he was saying, please, 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 you gotta, you gotta pause, I love this word, pause. What does that mean? stop war, stop, stop waging war. Did, did he get the, uh, the green light from Hamas about that or from Hezbollah? We just heard uh, Nasrallah say, we're not stopping. And, and not only are we going after Israel and the Jews, but we, and this is what the Hezbollah leader said, we're tired of the fake arguments that Hamas cut off children's heads although we have seen no evidence of that. Meanwhile, he said, we know that there are thousands of kids in Gaza who were decapitated. Now, first and foremost, nobody knows anything. You know, the Hamas Health Ministry is giving numbers out, and they're about as reliable as, uh, what can I say, as the subway. We don't have a subway down here. He said the October 7th, attacks he called them the incursion into Israel while uh, you know proved one thing they can win Israel he said is weaker than a spider's web and one month into the war he said it has not been able to make any achievement now that's not true but he certainly got a point this should be over and This large-scale operation that has begun in Gaza needs to be fully completed. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, Hamas's leaders keep pushing, sometimes publicly, for Hezbollah to get more involved in the war. Nasrallah met last week with a senior Hamas official, Al Arouri, and he met with uh, zaid nakahala of the uh, islamic jihad group so even though they haven't uh, drawn the sp- the p- specific red line i hate that expression right ever since barack obama you know made uh, made it obvious that like red lines mean nothing i don't even like hearing people use them anymore but he said vaguely that he would join the war if they see that hamas is on the verge of defeat Instead, for right now, we're just going to keep Israel's, uh, the IDF, busy on the border with Lebanon. They lost seven of their own soldiers, Israel did, and one civilian on that northern border as of today. More than 50 Hezbollah fighters and 10 militants with all these other allied groups, as well as 10 civilians, including a Reuters journalist early on in this, have been killed on the Lebanese side of the border. So, Bibi Netanyahu answered him today. He said, don't test us. We will exact a price you can't even imagine. Now, Israel considers this uh, Lebanese Shiite militant group, Hezbollah, as its most serious immediate threat. Who's backing Hezbollah? I mean, I'm not asking. It's a rhetorical question. Iran and they've got about 150 or these are the estimates they've got about 150,000 rockets and missiles right now right at this moment aimed at israel and that doesn't count the drones and the surface to air and and surface to sea missiles you know the only sort of bright light it's not a bright light but the only kind of hopeful sign is that a full on conflict would be very costly for hezbollah because remember, they fought a 34-day war with Israel back in 2006. and it ended with the, what, what everybody considered a draw, but not before Israel bombed uh, enough of the southern Lebanon that you had suburbs like the Becca Valley and uh, all of Beirut's southern suburbs were rubble. very costly. A new all-out war that would displace hundreds of thousands of Hezbollah supporters in southern Lebanon and would cause a lot of damage at a time when Lebanon is in the, you know, going through what everybody else is going through. They're in the throes of a historic four-year economic meltdown. They can't afford it. I saw a professor of politics and international relations at some college in uh, Great Britain, said that Blinken and Nasrallah, the two people who are going to be very influential on how the conflict moves from this point, both of them offered some pretty straight-up signals today. The messaging today from both seemed to be, uh, we know we better exercise a little bit of restraint, however, we're ready for whatever. These are perilous times. Don't don't let your guard down. I had a couple of listeners telling me I'm going over to Gun World. I'm taking a class. I'm buying a gun. Where should I buy a gun? Of course, I say Gun World. Great prices. Get to, you know, they got over a hundred different guns you can rent, so you can literally see which one you're best uh, suited for. Don't just buy a gun because you like the way it looks. But I'm telling you these things because it's it's really it's time to get serious about protecting yourself and protecting your family. It's quite obvious that things are very much out of hand. I haven't even started talking about all of these uh, terrorists that have crossed the border and now we arrested some guy in New York who was a, a a convicted terrorist from Senegal. been wandering around the interior of our country for two weeks. And if this Hezbollah speech this morning, was not a green light or an all-clear, all-hands-on-deck to any terrorist cells that may or may not exist inside of uh, this country or Great Britain or any other Western country. I don't know what it was. sure sounded like that to me. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. If you can have it right on your phone or on your computer that way, you can get updates, even storm updates. You can listen to the podcasts. You can listen to shows that you might have missed a portion of. Um, it's a great app to have. If you're intimidated, intimidator, you don't like apps, just go to our website daily and check things out. It's 850wftl.com. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. What do we find out today, as if I didn't have enough else to worry about, right? A radical Jordanian who was living in Texas was allegedly plotting an attack on Houston's Jewish community before he was arrested on some gun charges. Haeb Abu Yayash, age 20, had been studying how to build bombs and then posted about his support for killing Jews. This is scary. This is why FBI Director Chris Wray, when he was in front of the Senate Homeland Security Committee earlier this week, was telling stories. One of the stories he told was that one about this Abu Yayash or whatever. He didn't say the guy's name, but he said the, he has viewed specific and detailed content posted by radical organizations on the internet including lessons on how to construct bombs or explosive devices, and that defendant has made statements to others that support the killing of individuals of particular religious faiths. You know, just say it, Christopher Raid. It's not particular Jewish faiths. He wanted to kill Jews. And he even allegedly made a direct reference in one of his social media posts about an event that was going to happen in Houston for the Jewish community. And this was in the court documents. So so CNN got it, or some news, I think it was CNN got it. Didn't tell you the details about the target or what the time was. Oh, he's behind bars now. Oh, that's comforting, he's behind bars, but how many others have come across that border and we don't know where they are or who they are? And we certainly can only imagine How listening to Nasrullah this morning saying like, you know, we're coming after the U.S. too. Is that like a green light? Get busy? Build a bomb? You better take care of yourself and your family. That's all I'm going to say. There's no earthly reason for people to be unprepared because we just don't know. I'm trying to figure out how someone who comes into the country with a non-immigrant visa, which, by the way, his expired in 2019, so he, so he applied for asylum, right? And then he got work authorization until 2025. That's what the court documents say. You know, this is not my supposing. This is what's really happened. Under federal law, Those with a non-immigrant visa can't legally obtain firearms in the United States, but welcome to the United States. You can get firearms illegally. What makes me so crazy about all of this is how we're acting as if we're so caught off guard. People like me have been talking about this for decades. How can we be so obtuse so that apparently, what had happened was this dummy started going around to ranges, and that kind of tipped people off. So the FBI was able to get him into custody, and then they got a federal judge to hold him without bail while they're investigating him. Is he alone? Does he have other people involved? Is it a cell? Be good to have answers to those questions, wouldn't it? So Christopher Ray had said in the Senate, he said, we assess that the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate years ago, adding that the war in Gaza has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole other level. Here in the United States, Christopher Ray said this, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals, or small groups, can't bring himself to say sell, you know, he just can't say it, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. Okay. Gee, I know I'll sleep better tonight knowing that Christopher Ray is aware of this. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the U.S. in the last five years, just yesterday. Hezbollah has threatened to attack U.S. interests in the Middle East now. And guess what? You think ISIS is sitting back because Christopher Ray doesn't? He says they're going to capitalize on this moment, and they'll galvanize their supporters. And then, of course, he always has to clean up his own act, right? And he says, well, we have no information to indicate that Hamas has the intent or capability to conduct operations inside the U.S., but we cannot and do not discount it. Well, thanks. I know I'll sleep better tonight. Not. But that's why I say this is on us. First, that that we refused to face the reality of an open border. Yeah, you know, I'm so sick and tired of people saying, well, what are you, afraid of the, you know, the poor, struggling Mexican family that just wants to be able to feed their children? No, never been afraid of them. Not that I think they should be given carte blanche either, but never been afraid of them. I am afraid of these Jordanian guys who are here to kill, kill some Jews. And how do they know if you're Jewish or not? Yeah we could get you know go, go along with all of the other uh, incredible stereotypes and nonsense that we hear all the time. So if you're a member of the tribe, keep voting for Democrats. I know that'll make everybody feel a lot safer my behind right My friend Howard Galganov wrote a great another great piece today and, and he, he titled it Islamophobia my butt what didn't even say that he said, "Just another guise to screw the Jew." Who are the who are the beasts? Who are the savages? You know, listening to them talk about the atrocities in Gaza, I wish they had talked with one tenth the uh, the passion about the atrocities that took place on October seventh, but they couldn't. You see, they mitigate those. Well, it's understandable. You can. You can understand why they would paraglide in and kill little children and young people at a music festival and pull old people out of their sick beds, you know, old Holocaust survivors. Surely you can understand that. They had no choice. I just loathe. I loathe the representation that I'm seeing in almost across the board in media you know the handful of conservative sites or stations or radio programs can't offset all of the garbage that is just out there and it and and they just you know I got an administration that you got this putts in chief that's how howard referred to him mm. I'd like to know, he asked the question this morning, which nation was the country that murdered an entire Afghan family with a drone strike just before running from Afghanistan like a beaten cur with its tail tucked between its legs? Hmm, yeah. Not that I think we did it on purpose, but that happened. Israel is fighting for its existence. Israel did not start this war. Israel did not slaughter Arabs. Israel does not lecture America on all of uh, America's abysmal policies, both domestic and international. So, who who has a right? What, What on earth gives anyone the right to tell Israel to be kind and gentle to its enemies? Iran murders its own citizens, especially women. They arrest foreign visitors for political reasons. And they're about to head the United Nations Human Rights Commission. As I am fond of saying frequently, you can't make this stuff up. How about China? With the communists waging war on the Chinese Muslims, the Uyghurs. Thanks, Howard, for just reminding me about all this stuff in your article this morning. Who forces people into concentration camps, into labor camps? Who uses... Uh, body parts. And that's just part of what China does. But there's a lot more. North North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, South Africa even. They can do whatever they want. But Israel fighting to survive. Well, that's just too much. Too much. So as they go ahead, spending their blood and treasure, fighting just to exist, just to be able to go on. I'm tired of listening to the media. It's like over and over against Groundhog Day, you know. But even Christopher Ray had to say, Jews are only 2.4% of the total American population, yet they're facing at least 60% of all the threats and attacks and racist memes throughout America so what do we do we ask them to pause let me take a break uh coming up not in this next segment but in the final segment I'll talk with Derek and try to you know again I'd like to end the week with uh, something a little more frivolous and uh, it may be silly but I just I can't I just can't can't stay in this frame of mind as I finish up this week's show so he'll be with us at twelve, I'm oh not twelve. I'm still on the old time. At three forty-five, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. No matter what you know side of the aisle you're on, or what you think about uh, modern day politics, the dysfunction that we're looking at, and in a time where paralysis is really not in the best interests of our own national security, never mind the world security. I just every day. I wake up and I try to make a list of things i got to get done. You know, I, I am not what you call the, a classic prepper, whatever that seems to mean to people, but I am making provisions. I've always said you're better off prepared than unprepared, whatever that means to you. You know, I was putting together rice and dry beans 25 years ago. You know, when I, when I moved down here and I knew what... Uh, the first time I lived through a hurricane, I said, whoa, you can't get the things you need when there's a weather emergency. Imagine if there's every any other kind of emergency. Never dreaming that I'd live through a COVID shutdown, lockdown, where people were like, I mean, people have quickly forgotten what it was like to not have paper towels and toilet paper. I've just ran across a bunch of this toilet paper that I bought during the early stages of COVID when they had us all scared to death that we weren't going to be able to wipe our butts, right? And I ordered this toilet paper from who knows where. It took like six months to get here because it probably came from, I don't know, Myanmar. I don't even know where it came from. But the toilet paper is these little tiny rolls like you might take on a camping trip because you were trying to save space. And I got like, I don't know, Twenty-four of these little tiny rolls of toilet paper—they're completely useless. Now I just kind of look at them and i am amazed at uh, how 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 unpreparedness leads people to make very bad decisions. So I'm always prepared. You know, uh, the best uh, food that that you can buy that'll last twenty-five years—I got it. You know, I'm not—I'm not, I'm not ashamed a to admit it. I got solar generator because what good is a gas generator going to do me if I can't get gas? And, and it's not it's not a doomsday mentality. It's just realistic. They could put me on a COVID lockdown again if they feel like it. They prove they could. And I don't put it past them either. How about that? And now I got Hezbollah saying, mm, you know, uh, we're, we're coming after the U.S. too be careful. And Erdogan, Erdogan, this moron in Turkey, telling, oh, I want to lead the Muslim world against Israel. They're angry. Turkey's angry over the attacks against Gaza. They weren't angry over the attacks against civilians in Israel. Now, that didn't upset them at all. As a matter of fact, they kind of cheered that. But they want to lead the Muslim world against Israel so that his country, this is what Erdogan said, so that his country can become a great power. And I have no doubt that these people actually believe that because they're watching most Western powers have backed Israel's right to defend itself. But anger has grown exponentially among other countries, particularly those in the Middle East. You got the Hezbollah leader now. You got Erdogan thumping his chest. And of course, President Netanyahu meets him every, every time. Cold-blooded. He, he has a cold-blooded response for all of them. Yeah, you want to be an aggressor against us? You must be out of your mind, he tells them. And I agree. Turkey doesn't have to stand up to Israel, which is what they keep saying, what Erdogan keeps saying. If they want to be a great power, it's my mission, he told the reporter. I'm trying to remember what I was watching him on. I think it was one of the uh, BBC or an international station. He said, it's my mission to make sure Turkey is an important regional actor and global player. And if it means destroying Israel, well, oh well. One of the ways we're going to do it is we're going to lead the Muslim world against Israel. Sometimes we act as a mediator, but that never works. There's no room for Turkey in this. Uh, it's unbelievable to me what's going on. But it's weakness. They see weakness. China sees weakness. Russia sees weakness. And of course, the whole Middle East. They see weakness. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. So that's, uh, that's me finally ranting one last time this week. I'm going to take a break. Don't forget coming up after me is Eric Erickson and then Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, and then the weekend will be upon us. And boy, I could use it. This is my first week of feeling good again, of not being sick at all. And uh, I think I overdid it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to need to like do a little recovering over the weekend. Uh, Derek will be joining me in just a few moments. So stay right where you are. They
0: say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood as only the Kaufman family can bring it.
1: Sometimes I have to laugh when I hear that, Derek, because I think about you growing up and I think about the fact that you were the least likely of the two kids that would ever go into show business and you did it. crazy well
0: yeah it wasn't exactly how i drew it up i'll be honest with you i thought (laughs) i was gonna be a a sports agent for baseball players but you know life takes a winding road and next thing you know you're uh talking about your butthole on on television that's what happens
1: (laughs) (laughs) no only to you does that happen but but that's okay we're we're used to it now i don't even i don't even get surprised when i hear some of the crazy things that you uh allow to come out of your mouth on television but You are funny. You've always been funny. And these are not funny times. So people need a laugh. You know, I'm sure that TMZ does best when people are worried.
0: Oh yeah, we certainly needed it this week. I mean, this was a a week full of pretty sad news, obviously, with Matthew Perry's passing, uh, suddenly drowning in his bathtub. I mean, this was a pretty heavy week, and usually around here it's pretty light because it's costume week, and we take Halloween very seriously. I dressed up as Tina Turner with my beautiful legs, Mm. which you know so well. Very hairy, but very shapely.
1: Right, very shapely, but uh, uh, I was just so grateful that you didn't do blackface because it probably would have been the end of your career now.
0: That's right. I, I know better. I don't even get out any makeup. I just keep it all natural.
1: hmm Yeah. Well, the wig wasn't very natural, but uh, I do give <laughs> you credit. A bearded uh, Tina Turner was an unusual. I actually preferred your family's costumes. That was the God Squad, and they were all mythical characters because my granddaughter is into Greek and Roman mythology, right?
0: absolutely you know she's obsessed with greek gods and goddesses so i played zeus i had a thunderbolt although one of my good friends from high school actually jared said uh it read a little more old testament he thought i looked like moses
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it might have something to do with your nose but that's you know here know <laughs> there so what what's up with courtney kardashian like yes she had a baby or no she didn't have a baby yes she named him rocky or no she didn't name him rocky
0: You know, as public as they are, sometimes you have to read tea leaves and connect dots. But I'd say she's given birth because there's a lot of clues out there. So, first of all, Cedars is the the hospital where everyone gives birth in L.A. Uh, You know, both of your grandchildren were born there. Um, And, you know, a fleet of their whatever they are, G-Wagons or Range Rovers came carrying various Kardashians to come visit. Usually that's a happy occasion after someone's given birth. We know that her due date was around this time. They wanted to have halloween baby because they're a little goth you know they Mm -hmm. wear you know black nail polish and all that kind of stuff so having a halloween kid would make some sense and they were going to induce because Mm -hmm. this is a geriatric pregnancy because you know courtney is 44 years old so this is a little bit late in life there could be complications hopefully not um but all signs point to there is a new kardashian kid
1: okay and why do people think the name is rocky how did that come about
0: You know, they're big fans of Rocky as a movie. Mm. Um, Obviously, he thinks it's one of Travis Barker's on record saying he thinks it's one of the best boxing movies ever. And he's also a fan of the lead singer, I believe, or guitarist from a band called Suicidal Tendencies, who's also named Rocky. So he's a musician, and it checks the box for like a tough, pugnacious boxer. So they they decided to go with it.
1: All right. Well, I guess that will, will you get confirmation? And as soon as you do, it'll be up at the website.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is as close to confirmation, but pre-confirmation, uh, so we're already celebrating over here. It's always big news when another Kardashian is added to the brood.
1: More Kardashians, just what we need. But his name won't be Kardashian, will it? She's actually married. No, right. You
0: know, his name, his, his name will probably be Barker, because, mm-hmm. you know, as famous as the Kardashian name is, he's the drummer from Blink-182, so I'd imagine the kid will be Rocky Barker.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, God bless them all. You know, they can certainly afford... Uh, that's a couple that can afford to raise another child. <laughs> um, what for about, sure, for
0: sure. What, she's already got three with Scott Disick, so she's right. just adding adding to the bunch.
1: Exactly. What's up with Megan the Stallion, though? Uh, apparently, she's a little upset uh, on her uh, Cobra, her first uh, song out lately, and she's got out the Snake ven- Venom. What does that mean?
0: Yeah, you know, she's always involved in some sort of drama um and it sounds like this venom is aimed at her ex-boyfriend and her you know uh past collaborator Partisan Fontaine. So she got a track called Cobra, often there's a lot of snake metaphors in music these days. Taylor Swift has done that, Nicki Minaj has Anaconda. Well, this one's Cobra and she's promising to bring out some raw topics and that's what they do to sort of generate the controversy that they need. Um, To sell records these days. It's a different landscape and this will generate some controversy and a lot of people will buy it. That's how it works.
1: More controversy than going to somebody else's wedding in a fully see-through bodysuit?
0: I mean, that's a good start, <laughs> but you, you, that'll maybe that'll maybe get you like a 24-hour news cycle. You need to have lyrics like, man, I miss my parents, <laughs> way too anxious, and then a bunch of things I can't say on the radio.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it looks like uh, Taylor Swift and Kelsey are, uh, you know, breaking all kinds of other records there,
0: huh? Yeah, look, that relationship seems to have legs. It seems to be maturing into just a regular sort of, uh, love story i mean not a <laughs> no pun intended with, taylor, with with taylor swift but he was asked are you in love with her and he always plays it a little bit coy um but he said you know he won't he won't answer that question but he's saying look we i just saw her recently he likes to keep some of his personal relationship private mm-hmm. and uh, they're just going to keep rolling along i think it's uh quite a couple at this point
1: yeah Now, let me ask you, what do you think of AI in music? Like, I really did not want an AI Beatles song to come out.
0: Yeah, you know, I have have a strong view on this. I think AI is going to be a great tool to use. I actually didn't use enough of it, because this was an old John Lennon track. It's not really a Beatles song, because it was post-breakup, he made this track, and then they've amplified his voice from a tape and added some AI. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it it seems like one that should have stayed in the vault. It's not really a good (laughs) Beatles song. But would I like a pure AI Beatles song? I think so. I'm not as nostalgic about hearing the soul and the voice. I just want to hear good music, and AI has come a long way. And I venture to say, if I played the tracks for you, you might not even be able to tell the difference. And I'm okay with it.
1: that's probably true, although I really could live without the AI version of what Whitney Houston would look like at age sixty. you know that yeah, that's fair
0: stuff. i I do get a little creeped out by the hologram kind of AI stuff, yeah. but the music itself, I think it the more the merrier
1: yeah and finally, we are getting a very rich couple moving to Miami, leaving uh, your your end of the universe and coming down here in the Bezos, huh.
0: Yeah, one of the richest, you know, Jeff and Lauren, Jeff Bezos and and Lauren Sanchez, they're moving to Miami. And, you know, you know why Florida is so attractive to rich people. The tax Mm -hmm. situation is much better than here on the West Coast. And Mm -hmm. if you want to keep more of those billions in your pocket Mm -hmm. uh, and live on the beach, you get a place in Florida and you establish some residency there to avoid the income tax that you get hit with in a place like Seattle or a place like California. Um, and so it looks like that's what he's doing. Finally fleeing iconic Seattle, which he's been so associated with since the early nineties when he started Amazon. Mm. And he's looking to just live the good life on the beach. I mean, he's got a beach bod, so might as well go to a place where you can pop the hood and walk on the beach shirtless.
1: And she's got a beach bod too, in spite of her advanced uh, years. I was shocked to see some pictures of her in bikinis on your, uh, on your website she looks darn good don't she
0: oh she's beautiful they're they're a very hot couple and they really enjoy the good life i don't know if you've ever seen his mega yacht and she's right there on the bow or people say this is her on the bow of the boat so right
1: all right well have a great weekend kid and we'll talk soon
0: all right take care
1: all right and that does it for me i thank you for your time this time until next time My plan is to be back here on Monday at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. God bless you and God bless the USA.
0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.